We want to welcome you into episode 34 of Trojan Talk. I'm Zach Taranko here with Josh Postfer and Cole Burst on this f- cold Friday morning. How you guys do this morning? Great. I'm warming up now that we're inside, but yeah. very chilly uh, fall mornings now in Maine. I'm not getting used to that yet. Yeah, I, I forgot that I needed to scrape my car this morning, so it was uh, a sad day knowing that uh, we're kind of getting closer and closer to winter. Uh, but we're going to start off today by talking about some TA sports. The first one, TA football. They got a dominant 47-7 win over Skowhegan uh, this past uh, Saturday. Actually, it was supposed to be Friday, but it ended up being Saturday. They're now 5-2? and 5-2. and 5-2, and two, two games left. Bonnie Eagle uh, away, uh, which is today, actually. And then uh, next week. Thursday against Sanford. Yes, yep. And so I'll just quickly get you guys' thoughts on that game, you know, it looked like it was probably going to be very close, maybe low scoring. Not really the case. What did you – you on the field, uh, Josh. How was how was that game? How did it go? Yeah, um, it was kind of a classic snowball effect game where, you know, we scored on six of our first seven possessions touchdowns. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it was just tough for Skowhegan. You know, I think the big thing for us and the key to the game was our defensive line and offensive line just kind of dominated up front. And that really put a lot of pressure on Skowhegan from an offensive standpoint and then – when we were on offense, uh, we were able to run the ball pretty much at will at times. Um, and again, th- that's usually the key to a game is if you can win in the trenches, you're, you're going to win most games. And certainly that was true. Uh, we also won the turnover battle. We didn't turn over the ball, which was very helpful. Um, and again, we just put a lot of pressure on Skowhegan. Um, the other thing, too, is, again, we uh, have seen the last few weeks the offense is just trying to – I think it's coming together a little bit now. Um, we had a lot of young players uh, on offense this year, um, really only – Two starters returned from last year's state championship team. That was Hayden Whitney at the running back and our center, Brent Paulin. Um, so, again, you basically replaced nine new offensive starters. So we yeah. knew it was going to take a little bit of time to gel, uh, but now it seems that that's happening. And, uh, again, good results are hopefully going to keep coming, and hopefully that's the case tonight. we got a tough test at Bonnie Eagle, and it's always a very, very tough place to play. They're going to be ready for it. And, uh, again, any late-season game at Bonnie Eagle is always a tough test. Well, they've gotten back to their identity, and that's important, running the ball and winning on first down so that they stay out of third and long. That's the most important thing for this offense. And uh, like you said, they were just taking time to gel in the beginning of the season. They've answered a lot of their questions because they had some really ugly games at the beginning of the season, three in a row, in fact. And um, now they're just getting these really nice, encouraging wins, a blowout over a team that um, some people had ranked ahead of TA, so that definitely settles that debate. Uh, but it's one of those team. It's one of this sounds cliche, but it's one of those games that kind of builds chemistry because you go up two hours up north to uh, in the cold to Skowhegan, <laughs> and then you win against a team you don't normally play against. So it'll definitely test them for the playoffs when they have to play maybe Oxford Hills in the state championship. So it's good to see. Yeah, definitely. I think um, a good win overall, and, and only a few weeks left until the playoffs. So it's definitely exciting. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, while we're still on the topic of football, I want to give a shout-out to the TA freshman football coach, uh, Mr. Morrison, who used to be a teacher here, retired, I think, two years ago. Two years ago now, yeah. Yeah, I had him in his last year uh, for pre-calculus. He was a great teacher, but also a fantastic coach. He got his 200th win yesterday? Yes, yeah. last night. Yep. Last night with a 48-24 to win over Bonnie Eagle. I think if I, if I got the record cor- correct, he's 200-102. That's correct. It's his record, which is pretty fantastic. He's been a part of the of the freshman team for a long time. He also helps uh, coach, I believe, the special teams for um, the varsity team, which is nice and just uh, great for him, and, and hopefully he can keep the winning streak going here as, 
as uh, the freshman football team wraps up their, their season, but also with the varsity team, whose season is wrapping up here as well. Uh, we'll, we'll quickly chat about uh, boys and girls soccer. Boys finished 6-7-1 and one this year. Uh, they are the 11th seed. They play Wyndham. That is, uh, that is tonight. Uh, which they're at Wyndham should be a tough game for them. I mean, I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on this. I think it's going to be a tough test for them, especially not getting the best seeding. They, they lost a, a ton of games at the end of the season there. They were 5-2 and two at one point, and now they're 6-7-1. and one. So uh, you see how that went for them. But, I mean, what do you guys think that these, they might end up? Yeah, anything could happen. Um, they, they need to, you know, again, I think play a little bit better defensively as a cohesive unit. Um, they've let up too many goals of late. Uh, so, again, if they can shore up the defensive back end, I, you know, anything can happen offensively. They do have some very talented, uh, skilled players. So, um, again, they'll be very much an upset-minded team here tonight at Wyndham with a uh, kickoff of 6 p.m. Yeah, you have to go on the road with the mentality of the longer you stay in the game, the more the pressure will shift to the higher seed. And I talked to Coach Carlson a little bit yesterday. He just said it's about not making that one defensive mistake. They lost one nothing last time to Wyndham, and uh, they just have to play mistake-free as best they can, and they could get an upset. Yeah, it's uh, it'll be a tough one for them, but we'll we'll uh, we'll keep you updated on on how that game goes. Looking at girls soccer. They had a 2-0 win in, on senior night over Portland. We were all at that game. It was a, a nice win for them. Uh, El Joet and Jessica Dow got the goals. They play Noble tonight. They're at home, and we'll be broadcasting that game on TATV. So uh, you'll you'll see that pop up on your face on the Facebook and YouTube for Thorn Academy. But um, a good chance for them to just kind of get the momentum rolling as they'll definitely be playing one of the top four teams um, in the next round after this one. And I think, you know, in my eyes, the girls' soccer is probably one of the teams I think has the best chance of maybe getting an upset or the best chance of getting um, far in, the, in these playoffs. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on, on the girls' team. Yeah, I think if they can, uh, again, play fully healthy, um, get their players yeah. back. Um, I was trying to figure out yesterday if Sarah Rich was going to be playing tonight for yeah. them. I, I could not get an answer out of any of the coaches. <laughs> so, um, again, she's just a very talented uh, and, again, great left foot, too. Maybe the best left-footed kicker in the league. So, um, certainly if they could get her back, I think that just obviously increases their chances here tonight uh, in a home match at 4.30, that, which, again, we'll be streaming here on TATV. Uh, but, again, it's it's kind of like the boys' team as well. As long as they can, you know, I think they have a great goalkeeper in Ava Lomax, a sophomore. So, their defense is a uh, very much short up so again if they can just get a couple goals in early i think that's gonna again send them into the next round of the playoffs yeah again we saw how aggressive they were the other night they shoot a lot of long goals and just hope mm -hmm. to get one through and if they do that and just get some of these long goals they could get a blowout win in the first round and you remember last year they had an upset in was it the second round against yep. scarborough mm -hmm. uh so i think they have one upset in them but a, I can't see them making a run all the way to the state championship. Yeah, it's, it'll definitely be a tough test for them. Just wrapping up, um, the rest of the TA sports field hockey plays at Noble next week. They're the five seed. That'll be um, a tough game for them as well. We'll keep you updated on that. And then last night, volleyball played Bonnie Eagle in a 7-12 to matchup. TA kind of finished the season really well and was able to get a home game. Unfortunately, they lost uh, in a 3-2 uh, series at the set. Uh, they were up 2-1, and I, I remember looking at the score. I can't remember the numbers off the top of my head, but it looked like they were going to go in and win it 3-1. They lost the fourth set and then they lost the fifth set. It was a 15 to seven, so mm -hmm. it was a tough, um, tough game for them. But, but a great season overall, and, and good for them to, to to have that to get a seven seed at least. Um, but to give us some more information about some of the teams going into the playoffs and uh, playoffs in the state of Maine, I want to welcome in for a special interview, Michael Hoffer. All right, now we're joined now with Michael Hoffer of the Forecaster. Michael, how you doing? Doing great, Jeff. Good to see you. Good, you too. Good too. So we're playoff season is here for some sports are already done like golf, but we're heading into the real meat of the playoff schedule. So we're just going to go sport by sport. 
Uh, first, talk about some field, some field hockey. Uh, you know, here at Thorn Academy, we're, we're looking at the five seed we're playing. Noble in the first round. Uh, but looking at, it really looks like very top-heavy here. You have Shevers at the top. You have Scarborough near the top. What do you see for this girls' hockey field hockey playoffs? Is it really just a collision course for those two teams? Or do you think a team like TA, Noble, some of those others can maybe make a run and, and challenge them? Not only do I think it's top-heavy, I think it's top-one-heavy because this Shevers team is spectacular. I mean, they, uh, they're even better than last year's team that went undefeated and won the state title and beat Scowhegan 4-1 in the state game. You know, that last year's team outscored the opposition 99-9. Uh, this year, it's like something like 120-4. to um, Not only do you have Taylor Torrey back, who scored 36 goals last year, you've got Lucy Johnson, who's only a sophomore. She scored a program record 40 and counting. And my understanding, she's only like 9 or 10 behind the state record record, which I wouldn't put put it past her to get that if they make a deep playoff run. So this Chevrolet team is an absolute juggernaut. Uh, maybe another dark horse can win another game or two, but I would be shocked if Chevrolet, if it's not Chevrolet and Scowhegan in the state game, honestly. Moving on to boys soccer now, um, you know, Florida Academy, we were, I think the 11 seed heading on the road in the first rounds, but who do you see, you know, in the boys soccer picture in, in the South, at least that, that, you know, again, could there be, is it going to be top heavy again, or could there be a deep run by a team? I know Gorm's up there as usual. What, what does that look like? Well, you know, it was, I was, I was going to say Scarborough was probably the heavy favorite until the other night when Deering went in there and beat them and they beat them three to one. And, you know, Deering was kind of a team that everyone expected big things out of. They won their first seven games and they really struggled. They had a four game stretch where they didn't win at all. Uh, but that team has a lot of talent and they wound up finishing second. Uh, so keep an eye on them. But, you know, Deering might have to get past Portland or their rival in the quarterfinals. Yeah, and shout out to our boys soccer team this year. They beat Falmouth for the first time ever in, in the program history. So that was kind of one of our one of our nicer yeah. wins. Yep. So that was, that was yep. nice that, for us. That's an accomplishment. It's something. It's something to build on. Yeah, it is. Little it's, it, it's not, not, not a lot of schools can say that Deering still hasn't beaten Falmouth all these tries. So Interesting. you never know. So let's talk about girls soccer now. Thorne Academy, you know, look coming in uh, as as a seed. They're, they're, I think they're the seven seed, six seed. They're going to be hosting. Um, obviously, you got Scarborough and Gorm really at the top there, and Wyndham's all uh, always up there as well. So, what do you do? You really see those three teams? I know they didn't all play each other, but Wyndham has been hot. What, what do you see that that playing out with those top three? Is this one of the sports that you could see someone sneak in from a lower seed and, and maybe pull an upset? Yeah, I mean, obviously this region is top heavy and everyone's talking about Scarborough and Gorham for good reason. They're both 14-0. and 0, And of course, the reason they're both 14-0 and 0 is they didn't play each other because unfortunately the schedule didn't have them playing each other in the regular season. So if they do square off, it wouldn't be to the regional final. Uh, you know, they both played Wyndham early in the year and they both beat Wyndham. And of course, Wyndham hasn't lost since. They're the defending champs, but they really seem to be peaking at the right time. So those three teams, I think, deserve you know, consideration as the favorites. But, you know, Marshwood's quietly having a really good season, kind of like their boys team. No one's talking about them. I think Chevers could be dangerous on a given day. Even Portland could be dangerous on a given day. And, you know, and Thornton Academy certainly has to feel good about their chances, you know, to, to win a game or two and, and maybe knock off one of those favorites uh, while everyone's focusing on those top three teams. So um, Maybe more so than in some of the other sports, you might see an upset or two and maybe a surprise team making a deep run. So still moving on to football, still a couple uh, a couple weeks to go. Um, you know, right now in Class A, again, it look, definitely looks like Oxford Hills and TA. Um, but Scarborough has been kind of a, you know, we've seen these other teams, kind of a Jekyll and Hyde team. You know, we, we beat them early in the year, but they've had some, some other wins. And 
not, I mean, it, unless you think it's not TA or Oxford Hills, you could say that. But otherwise, looking forward in the next couple of years, the way that football's been, you know, we've played in New Hampshire teams. What do you see for football changing over the next few years as you see teams like Scarborough, even Bonnie Eagles struggling with numbers now? Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it really is a crossroads time. I mean, one good thing I will say about this year's high school football season, Jeff, is we've had more competitive games and True. more interesting games. And, and you know, I, I don't think I had a close game all of last year and I've had several this year. So that's been fantastic. Uh, I mean, there's no question that participation's down, uh, you know, the future there's, there's concerns about how programs are going to be able to do it in the long run. When you have several schools playing eight man now that not many years ago, you wouldn't have in your wildest dreams imagine that they would have numbers issues, but they do. And, you know, hopefully now that you have this eight man option and, you know, the several different classes in 11 man, hopefully several programs will be able to continue, but I don't know what the future is. It's, it's you know, and, and even a program like Cape Elizabeth right now, which is on top of the world, you know, they won class C last year. They're probably the one team that can compete with Levitt this year. You know, I, I hear after this season, the numbers are going to be an issue for them too. Uh, and that's a program, you know, obviously it's a, tradi a traditional soccer town, but they've done very well with their football numbers and they've done very well on the field. So I think there's just a lot of uncertainty going forward. I mean, we all love the sport. We want to see it continue, but I wouldn't be surprised to see more teams go the eight man route. And, uh, and, you know, things have changed dramatically, even in five years, five years from now, it might have a totally different look. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we were missed to not talk about the, the situation going on right now with hockey officials. So yeah. the story came out, I mean, it's been in the, in the news a little bit, the story came out yesterday on, uh, or on Wednesday, I should say on WGME, that there's a, there was a denial, you know, they were going back and forth and the season's an actual real jeopardy here. It is. Um, have you heard anything about it? And what do you think, you know, is this historically, you know, for those who maybe not follow, like, has this happened anytime in the last 25 years that you've been around that these officials can't come, I'm not blaming either side, just saying that they haven't, it's been so close to a season, this season starts in a couple of weeks. And is it, do you really think it's possible there may not be a season or at least a delayed season? Well, you know, I'm, I'm hearing that this is a very serious issue. And I can't remember ever, ever having an instance of this before. I mean, we just kind of take the officials for granted. You know, they show up and they do their thing and they get yelled at and they deal with a lot of abuse that the rest of us would never want to have to deal with. But, but they're always there. Uh, but this sounds like it is a very serious issue. Uh, I don't see either side really willing to budge at this point. Uh, you know, usually when we get in these kind of situations, when you look at professional sports, you get down the 11th hour and, and often an agreement will will happen at the very last minute but I mean girls hockey starts very soon I think the regular season is only two three weeks away uh, we're you know we're a month away from the, the start of, of, of boys hockey and then the other winter sports as well so you know hopeful that something will happen I've heard that even if if something doesn't work out with the MPA they might have some other kind of a season where uh, you know you'll have club teams somehow um, you know, you hate to see it because I mean, high, high school hockey is, is also another sport that's at the crossroads. I mean, you have so many programs that are co-op programs now. Numbers are an issue. It, it's a challenging sport to begin with because finding ice time is almost impossible. You know, you're practicing at five in the morning, 10 at night. Um, so, you know, if kids don't play for a year, it, it could be really harmful. You could probably see some programs shut down going forward. So, you know, hopeful that at the last minute they'll, uh, they'll, they'll meet in the middle somehow and something will happen. But, you know, as we, as we sit here recording this right now, it, it doesn't look good. And, you know, certainly hearing, you know, I've heard, I haven't really talked to anyone from the MPA, but hearing from some of the officials, you know, they're, they're not happy. And I think they're willing to hold the line. So uh, we might not have, uh, have heard the worst of this yet. It might come down to the wire. Should be interesting. Yeah. And of course, TA going to the state championship last year and, and returning some decent kids. I mean, we're certainly looking forward to that as well. 
Now, obviously this year too, talking about playoffs there, you know, we changed back to the pre-COVID rules where it's not everyone making the playoffs. Right. Do you think that's going to have any effect on, as we get to the later rounds playing, you know, every team playing maybe a fewer game, or do you think that's, it's, I mean, obviously most of us feel it's a good decision, but do you think that'll have any effect on the playoffs or um, we see, we see in some sports that some teams are, especially in football, like an eight man, some teams are saying, no, we don't want to be part of it. The lower teams, but yeah. do you have any effect? No, I think, you know, everyone's going to, welcome the opportunity to be in it. I think maybe it means slightly more than it did last year. Just the fact that you've quote unquote earned it a little bit more and it's not an automatic bid. So, um, you know, maybe it's not uncommon to see a 12th seed or a 10 seed actually be a pretty good team, you know, for whatever reason, they didn't post a great regular season record, but you know, we've seen, I've seen boys soccer teams come out of the eight, nine, 10 hole and, and win a state title. It doesn't happen often, but it's not inconceivable. So no, I think we'll, we'll see, uh, we'll see good play across the board. And, and I, 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 you know, I, I'm looking forward to the postseason in all these sports. It's going to be a lot of fun. Assuming for a second that Chevers uh, feel, I'll go back, feel, I'll give it a quick second that Chevers goes through and wins the state championship. Where do you rank them as the best, not just field hockey teams, but just overall main high school sports team in the last 20 years, considering how dominant they've been? I think they have to be considered right near the top. And, you know, I, I, during COVID, I went and ranked all the, the championship teams in different sports from our coverage area during my time. It's one of those things that, that I did to stay busy and stay employed. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in the, in the field hockey, um, I went back and revisited it after they won last year. I, I moved them into the one spot in that sport. And this year's team would, would easily uh, leapfrog into that top spot if they do go on and win it. So, I mean, that's the thing. It, we, we talk, I hate to bring this up, but we talk about the 2007 Patriots a lot differently if they won that Super Bowl, wouldn't we? Um, so, you know, so ultimately, do, do they finish? If they do finish, their goals differential is going to be something crazy. You know, mm-hmm. say they beat Skowhegan handily in the state game again, which I don't know will happen. I think Skowhegan's been gearing up all year for an opportunity to play Shevers in the state game. And if Shevers does beat them, it'll be a close game. You know, but say they do win that game comfortably again. I mean, you'd have a hard time arguing many other teams being as dominant from start to finish where, I mean, they, they crushed everybody, even the teams that were expected to maybe give them a run. So, I mean, they're on the potential of doing something historic. They've just got to finish. I will throw in there. I'll throw in the 2018 Thorne Academy football team only because we never trailed and we won every game by that's, the points. Well, the crazy thing is remarkable. One of the things, like, was it our most talented team? I don't think so. Like, I think the 2014-15, but just where the league was, but it just, it, I remember getting to the end of the year being like, we haven't trailed yet. And we won yeah, every that's, game. By that's that's remarkable. That's remarkable. And it's not easy to do. I mean, it, it, you know, it it almost never happens where you don't trail at all. Right. So a little bit of off the wall question you cover, you've covered every team, basically probably been basically every field and gym from York all the way to probably Augusta in your years. What is the best snack? And I'll include everything, hot dogs, pizza, hot dogs. what, What is the best snack at any high school facility, high school facility in the state of Maine? Oh, you, threw, you catch me off guard with a question like that. I don't, you know, I don't eat at snack bars a lot. I know Windemose has a good one. It, it, as you know full well, when I come down to Saco, I go to Kentucky Fried Chicken for my pregame meal. So of course, that, that's not bad. That, that doesn't exactly count, but yeah, um, you know that that's always that's always a favorite of mine. 
you know, for the most part, you get you get what you get at most of these places. I, you know, I, I do for some reason. I always feel like Wyndham has pretty good stuff, even though I don't get there very often. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I guess I'd have to go with that one on short notice. Yeah, I don't go to as many road games as I used to for football because yeah. of other other things. But I, I Wyndham's good. Um, my favorite popcorn, Bonnie Eagle. Bonnie Eagle. Uh, I don't okay. know what they put. They put some kind of seasoned salt on that stuff. And uh, we have Coach Dick Agresti, legendary coach here. And athletic director he actually ranks the popcorn because every time we used to go scouting for football <laughs> and he's on the staff we'd be, yeah. he'd get a popcorn and be like no this one stinks but bonnie eagle was always into the top and we're playing bonnie eagle on friday night so it should be uh should be interesting well, fun you should bring that up yes no right? I mean, so i'm looking i'm gonna try to make it there if we if our girls soccer game we get a game at 4 30 uh if we can yeah. get that done quickly i'll be heading over to bonnie eagle and at least get some popcorn if the game's on get some popcorn yeah it's always a great setting out there for football yeah. Ball and especially once once it starts getting a little chilly like it is now, it definitely feels yeah. like playoff weather. 100%. Last question. I'd be remiss to ask you about Patriots a little bit here. Um, not about their record or where they're going. We're going to talk about Zappi and Mac. First of all, if Mac is healthy on Monday, A, will he get the start? And B, should he get the start? Where are you on Zappi fever? What's your temperature? Yeah, I, I think he's going to play and I think he should play. And, I, and I've been thrilled with how Bailey Zappi played. I was actually fortunate enough to be at Lambeau Field three weeks ago uh, when the legend of Bailey Zappi began. I didn't even realize that Hoyer had gotten hurt. Uh, all of a sudden, I, I noticed on Twitter that, that he had gone back to the locker room and that Zappi was coming in, and I thought, oh, no, we're going to get crushed. They probably should have won that game in retrospect, especially as poorly as the Packers have played here the last couple of weeks. Um, and then uh, we were lucky enough to be uh, at the Detroit game a couple of weeks ago, his first start and his first victory. Uh, but I would maintain that if Mac Jones had played against the Lions and the, and the Browns, he would have put up similar, if not better numbers. It's his team. You know, if he comes in and he keeps turning the ball over, it's good to know we have another option. Uh, but it's great that, that we found this diamond in the rough and it's good to have a steady backup. I mean, no one really wanted Brian Hoyer coming into games. If something had happened to, you know, Brady back in the day or Cam Newton or Mac Jones. Uh, now we know if, if something happens and we need to go to the backup, at least it's somebody we're comfortable with that has shown that, that he can produce. So it's created some excitement here. I mean, after a one and three start, things weren't looking too great. You know, now they won a couple games. They've got a favorable schedule here over the next month. So hopefully they'll continue to win some games. Now, I know you're a little bit of a Packers fan, but just in a 30 seconds, just tell me what Lambo's like for someone who's never been there. Is it worth a trip? I know the Patriots won't play there forever, but right. is it worth it? What is, what is it like? Is it live up to the mystique? Absolutely. I mean, you can, you can feel the history. It's just, it, it's a special place. There's nothing like it. You know, football stadiums are different than baseball stadiums, but you know, I would equate it. If you're a baseball fan, you'd want to make the pilgrimage to Fenway or to Wrigley Field or something like that, or the Dodger Stadium even. Uh, but Lambo's really alone maybe kansas city i mean you hear about kansas city having that kind of uh, mystique too it's almost like a college game setting but lambo you can feel the history i mean you got the statue of vince lombardi out front you've got you can act like you're doing a lambo leap and i was actually lucky enough to go down on the field before the game uh, just it's it's just it's a special place it's really great you know and, and the fact that they've been competitive for so many years yeah it makes makes it fun to you know you've got a, a similar to a patriot place out there they call it title town uh, you know where they have restaurants and that kind of stuff so they've really built up that whole area um, and they've done wonders i mean it, it, it's it's just a special story where you have this town of a hundred thousand people that's been able to, uh, to to compete with the chicago's and the new york's of the world for all these decades and they've won super bowls and uh, yeah, you just go in there and, and there's nothing like it. If you're going to do an NFL road trip and unless you want to see something specific, I mean, that's the place that I would suggest going to. 
And I'm going to the office. I'm going to Vegas in a, in a, about a yes. month. And a half to Which should be it. fun in its own right. Exactly. Yeah. Very much fun. And I'm really interested to see the stadium. Uh, the the yeah. tickets were not cheap, even though, you know, yeah. Patriots and Raiders are both in the tank. But I'm really excited to see that stadium, too. I've seen the Cowboys stadium, which was ridiculous. Right. Um, but I'm ready to see Lambeau. I want to see Kansas City. Those are definitely on my list. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, he's going to be the busiest man in high school sports over the next month or so. Well, good luck to Michael Hoff for the forecaster. And I'm sure we'll see you down the road and we'll have you on uh, for basketball preview here in about a month. Sounds good. It's all good. And yeah, it should be, it should be a really fun postseason. I look forward to all of it. We want to thank Michael Hoffer again for coming in for that into, excuse me, into that interview uh, with Jeff Cushenberry. Uh, before we wrap up the TA Sports, we want to quickly talk about hockey. So there is no hockey hasn't started yet. And that is what we're talking about. Uh, Earlier this week, it was reported by uh, Dave Ede that the referees in the state of Maine, or even just for the for MPA, uh, rejected a new offer for, I believe it's how much they're being paid to ref games. Um, the MPA, I believe, was supposed to uh, increase it, increase the value of how much they're going to be paying the last few years. The, uh, the referees rejected the offer, so the first thing you would think is, well, there's probably not going to be a season. The MPA declares that, that they have not made a decision yet. I'm not sure where it's going to go. From some of the, the hockey players I've talked to, they're a little worried, concerned. I'm not sure um, what's going to happen, but it's definitely kind of kind of a breaking news story. I know this has been kind of been going on for a few weeks. I don't know if uh, what what do you what do you think about the situation? Yeah, I mean, I think in any type of contract negotiation, there's posturing on both sides. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's what unfortunately you're starting to see now in the public eye, uh, since it is getting down to the wire here. Um, both sides are again trying to make I think a little bit more public uh, what's going on. Um, it's a very complex situation. I don't think it's as simple as just pure numbers. Um, Again, reading Dave Ede from WGME's article um, and just kind of hearing some insight, it sounds like there's just some debate uh, amongst all main officials on how much they should yep. be paid for each sport with, um, again, hockey officials perhaps suggesting that they're a very specialized sport that needs a lot of equipment for them to even participate. Uh, they need proper training in order to keep up with the players on the ice. It's a, it's a much, much more physically demanding job. And I think that's part of their positioning, of course, uh, with their negotiations. Um, I think there'll be a season. You know, I, I think this is, again, just some back and forth. Uh, yep. Now it's just a little bit in the public eye, but uh, I would be absolutely shocked if they were to cancel a season over an official's contract. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see who moves first if they decide to pay them what they want or not. I certainly hope that we can get a season in, obviously. And we've seen kind of a ref shortage around Maine, mm -hmm. and that's why TA's football game is Thursday night this week because um, we couldn't get rest for Saturday. But, yeah, like you said, it's it's very different refing hockey because you got to be able to skate and keep up with these mm -hmm. fast-paced players mm -hmm. um, as opposed to some other sports where there's not as much running and you don't have to be as in shape. So hopefully they can get that done. I agree. I think there would be a season. I think it would have to come to something pretty extreme if there wasn't, mm -hmm. and hopefully mm -hmm. they can get that done. Yeah, we'll definitely we'll keep uh, you guys updated on, on what we know. I think it's it's one of those things I think it's going to happen right at the end. At some yeah. point, yeah. So, someone's going to be like, okay, we're not just going to cancel season just mm -hmm. because we're, yeah. you know, we can't come to a decision. But uh, it's definitely... Definitely a story that I think, like as as Cole said, you know we've all we've had ref shortages and it's never really affected us as much. And this is like the first time we're really like talking about like, oh, it's a different situation. But the first time we're talking about, well, we might it might actually affect our season or, or how our team might uh, our team will be able to have games. And to wrap up the TA Sports, want to just again plug our TA TV. The end of our TA TV schedule, our last regular season game, is the 27th, which is boys football versus Sanford at 7 p.m. That's senior night for the boys team. But our first and 
maybe our only, I'm not sure yet. Our playoff game is tonight. That's girls soccer versus Noble at 430. We'll do that on TATV. Should have another big crew as well, which will, which will be nice. Um, but we'll switch over now to professional sports. We have a lot to talk about. We'll start in the NFL, and I want to get your guys' thoughts. I know that week six was I don't know, kind of a lackluster week. I didn't think it was anything special. But I want to get you, you know, a team. Give me one team that has surpri surprised you this year and one team that's been kind of a disappointment to you. Yeah, surprising team, I would say the Jets. Um, and I, I was, I don't know, finding myself shocked here this week. I actually picked up the Jets defense yep. in fantasy this week. So that tells you right there kind of where I stand is. And, again, I also have Brees Hall, great running back for yep. them, rookie running back out of Iowa State. So uh, that certainly helps. But, again, Jets are my biggest surprise so far through six weeks. I'm going to go with the other New York team, the Giants. And they, their formula has just been hanging around the whole game. And then, and then in the last couple minutes, their defense makes a play. Against the Ravens, they really controlled that game. And then the rookie, Kayvon Thibodeau, got to Lamar Jackson, strip-sacked him. And then Saquon's been amazing. He's really revamped his career here. He's been able to stay healthy. And Daniel Jones, you know, it's a little bit surprising because you look at last year. Last year was supposed to be his prove-it year. He got Kenny Galladay, who was supposed to be his number one receiver. Kenny Galladay obviously didn't really pan out. And they kept him, which I was surprised. I thought I had seen enough from Daniel Jones. But they keep him for another year year and he's leading them to win so that's good for for Daniel Jones and um their defense has been strong and they've got some young playmakers and uh, uh as you said the Jets as well have a lot of young talent and upside Elijah Moore actually requested a trade yesterday so we'll, we'll, that see, too, yeah. we'll see what they get for that a young rookie a young second year receiver going on the market I'm sure you could get uh some pretty good compensation for that but yeah the two New York teams are playing pretty well so far yeah I, I agree I think both those teams are um Definitely surprises this year. I'm going to go on a little different round. I'm going to see the Eagles. And that's not because I didn't think they were going to be good, but I just didn't think mm -hmm. they'd be the only undefeated team left at this point. I think that um, something that we've talked about before is that like some of these games they're playing are, are close. You know, They're not dominating every game, but they got a great team, and Jalen Hurts is playing well, and obviously the pickup of A.J. Brown definitely has helped them this year. Um, and their defense has, has been pretty good. I mean, Darius Slice had a couple of great games, and so I think they're probably going to continue this, this winning streak. So I... I I think it's definitely a surprise from – I thought they'd be, you know, wild card team at best. Maybe, you know, the Cowboys or the Giants might, might be up there. But I think they're going to they're gonna definitely win the division and probably make their way close to the Super Bowl this year. That's, that's, my, that's my hot Already take, Already a Super Bowl prediction. Wow. Well, yeah, I mean, I, in my opinion, the NFC is a little bit weaker than the AFC this year. So I think it's one of those years where the Eagles could sneak in there. But uh, And then I, your disappointment team. Ooh. Um, you know what? There's so many. There are so many. There are so many. Uh, I, I'm going to go right now with San Francisco. I know they're three and three, and we're going to lead into nicely with what <laughs> happened last night. But uh, at the moment, I'm just surprised they're only three and three, or the Rams too, being yeah. three and three. That whole NFC West is kind of a little bit of an odd situation. I I got to go with the Packers. Aaron Rodgers is not comfortable with his weapons so far. And, you know, I honestly think they do have enough weapons. Is it Devontae Adams? Obviously not. But they have one of the best run games in the NFL, which they need to go back to. Mm -hmm. um, they paid Aaron Jones last year and haven't been giving him the ball like a paid running back. And then A.J. Dillon, only, he really only gets it going when they get off to an early lead and they can just run out the clock with him. And, um, I mean, Lazard is solid. Tunyon is solid. And they have some upside with their rookie receivers, Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs. So, I think they have enough, but they just haven't put it all together. And this is the first real test of Matt LaFleur's coaching career. He's had it pretty easily. He's cruised into the playoffs with Aaron Rodgers. But we'll see how they respond to this. And, yeah, yeah. we're going to talk about Christian McCaffrey, too. Yeah, we that will. was crazy. For me, I think I'm going to go with the Ravens because I think on paper they have 
and a really good defense. They have some really mm-hmm. big names, and mm-hmm. last year they had a ton of injuries, and that's what kind of cost them their chances. They, you know, their secondary was was um, was pre- pretty weak, and and there wasn't a lot, lot of a lot of names in there. But they just haven't played well. They've given up so many points. Mm-hmm. They've held mm-hmm. these big leads. I mean, we, you, know, I, you know, that Giants game, as Cole said, um, they were up twenty to ten late in the game, and then or I think in the second half, and then the Giants just kind of hang around and won that game. Same thing with the Dolphins. Um, you know, I just think that they could be better. Their offense is really good, but not good enough to, to win them a game, which is kind of disappointing. Disappointing to me. Um, I think that's that's a tough thing to have this this year, especially because Lamar Jackson uh, did not accept the contract, so mm-hmm. he probably is going to want out of Baltimore if they can't have any success this year. But there's still, I, I think, as I said before, a lot of disappointing teams this year. Teams I think shouldn't be disappointing that are disappointing uh, in my eyes. And, and the Packers and the Ravens and the Chargers, some of those teams that just haven't played as well, come to mind. But one of the teams that I think, in my eyes, has been somewhat neutral, has had some ups and downs, is the New England Patriots. Mm. They have had some injuries. They have had some great games and bad games. And now the question that arises for some reason, which I don't know why we're talking about this, but it, it's, uh, it's on our itinerary, is... Who should be the starter, Mac Jones or Bailey Zappi? And so, I, I, you, you guys should take this away because I really could care less. Well, I'm ba- not. Bailey, <laughs> Bailey Zappi, Bailey Zappi's done his job and he's been awesome and he's led us to some memorable wins. I think we'll look back at the end of the season and be like, remember in weeks five and six when we had to start Zappi and he led us to two wins. That was an awesome moment in the season. But the recency bias here is really strong. And it doesn't help that the last memory of Mac Jones was a three-interception loss against the Ravens. Uh, And Mac Jones hasn't been great, don't get me wrong, but he was the guy that led us to the playoffs last year and had kind of a record-setting season as by far the best rookie quarterback Mm -hmm. um, last year. And I think Bailey Zappi's success, he's a great player for sure, but the offense around him is getting better as a whole. They've kind of simplified things. They're involving the tight ends who had a great game against Cleveland on Sunday. They're running the ball better than they have all season with Ramondre Stevenson. So it's a product of the offense all around him getting better, and I think if Max steps into a better environment offensively, he'll he'll thrive even more. And um, Zappi... of course, against Cleveland, he made some throws, but they did contain him a little bit, whereas Mac was throwing the ball deep almost every play. So if they simplify things a little bit more with Mac, it should be a lot better. But don't let the recency bias get to you. Mac Jones is a first-round pick and had a great season last mm-hmm. year, and the, the last memory was a bad game. So, of course, fans are going to fans are gonna go crazy for Zappi, but um, I think they should start Mac Jones for sure if he's healthy. I think short-term they should continue to start Zappi. Um, a high ankle sprain is, is nothing to mess around with. Uh, there's been conflicting reports the last week that the Patriots wanted Jones to get surgery to correct mm-hmm. it, uh, and Jones's camp decided that rehab was the best option. Yeah. So, um, you know, with Zappi, I, I think you've got an easier game Monday night against the Bears at home at Gillette. So I think from that perspective, you know, play Zappi one more time, um, and get a – you know, shore up the win. You know, let Mac rest one more week. We probably don't need him this week. Yeah. Um, you know, one interesting stat, though, that I, I've been looking at and eyeballing is that the Patriots are fifth in the NFL in point differential this year. They're mm-hmm. a plus 28. Um, that's a pretty good sign cool. that shows that their 3-3 three and three record is not necessarily false. And, in fact, they might even should be better than that. Um, well, the, it, ha- it helps when you shut out the Lions. Yeah, so. it, it does. It is yeah. beating up on bad teams. I would like to see him beat a team over 500, too. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. But, uh, again, th- I mean, the Bills, it goes Bills, Eagles, Niners, Chiefs, Patriots. 
So, I mean, it's pretty good competition okay. you're up there with. It's not yeah. – there's no teams really – the only team that's kind of odd there, uh, is, besides Patriots maybe, is, is the Jaguars. Yeah. So the Jaguars are six with a, a plus 24. So, again, I, I think the Patriots, though, just, I, I would just keep rolling with what they have. They have a formula. It's working. Zappy's working. Mac Jones, I don't think is healthy just yet, so I would say just give him another week or two, maybe even through the to the bye week. Um, you know, just really let him rest if Zappy keeps winning and don't ruin a bad thing. So, my next question when it comes to, to Jones and, and Zappy, real quick, just what do you keep both quarterbacks and then just start Jones and let ba- Bailey Zappy kind of? I, I'm, not, keep- I'm not going to say waste his talent, but. You keep him because he's on a cheap contract. I mean, that's the first thing. He's yeah. on a rookie minimum contract. He's a fourth-round pick. So, yeah. yes, you keep him. Um, I mean, if you're going to trade anyone, it's Mac Jones. Mac Jones is where it has the value is. Yeah. But they're not going to do that this year. That would be an off-season decision. Yeah, he's a fourth-round pick. Maybe in a couple of years they could let him go, like Jimmy G or Jared mm-hmm. Sidham. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm kind of losing my train of thought here. But um, it's kind of like – Remember last year, Tyler Huntley went in for the Ravens when Lamar was out, and he they captured a couple good games of him. And uh, sometimes backups can come in and play well. That's just the truth. And there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with mm-hmm. keeping a good backup yep. uh, in your program. Yeah, I agree. Well, we have a, a couple more NFL topics real quick. We, we talked a little bit about the uh, the Rams and the 49ers. That division right now is just a toss-up. I mean, th- it, what, three teams are 3-3, three and, three, and then the oh, Cardinals are now 3-4, mm-hmm. I guess, because mm-hmm. they just won last night. Um who do you guys think is just really quick is going to win that that division? Well, now now I think it's going to be the 49ers after the events of last night, uh, which we'll lead into quickly here with them getting uh, Christian McCaffrey from the Panthers. But um, I, I think the the 49ers are really set up nicely. Their their offense is going to be very dynamic. Um, getting Debo Samuel now back into a more traditional role, of course, of being again a wide receiver, uh, yep. which is what he is, uh, is going to really help him. Um, again, it's just going to bring more balance. I think Jimmy G is a great manager of that offense, and uh, again, Kyle Shanahan's it has got a lot of weapons to play with now in the Bay Area. Yeah, yeah Shanahan's the most creative run game coach in the NFL, mm-hmm. and he's going to cycle a couple guys in and out. Elijah, Middle, uh, Elijah Mitchell, super talented. Jeff Wilson can play too. Mm-hmm. So it's not just going to be Christian McCaffrey, but McCaffrey's incredible, and the things that Shanahan's going to be able to do with him are really scary. And the Niners have started slow because of injuries in years past. I remember last year they didn't start so great um, in 2021, and they made it all the way to the NFC Championship because mm-hmm. they got hot over the second half of the year. Uh, and Debo is going to keep doing his thing at receiver. If they can get some of these defensive starters back, then they'll be really scary. I still think the Rams win the division. I I think that the Rams will figure it out a little bit more, and they're going to win ugly a lot of these games, but I still think they'll barely win. But the 49ers could still make the playoffs with mm-hmm. how many question marks there are in the NFC. Yeah, I, I think it's a great trade for them. Um, the one thing I don't understand is, is why they didn't package Jeff Wilson and to save a couple picks because – I don't see the point in having Christian McCaffrey, Elijah Mitchell, <coughs> excuse me, and Jeff Wilson. Yeah. I, it just, there's just no reason to have three good running backs. Yeah, like and they drafted a rookie this year, and they, they, they have several guys. They yeah. have so much depth. They gave up oh, a second rounder, two third rounders, a fourth, and a fifth. You could have mm-hmm. saved even like a fourth or a third to package Jeff Wilson in there. I mean, I, I think Elijah Mitchell's better. I th- Obviously, he's, he's still hurt right now, but... Um, it's just no point in having it. I mean, I, I said like I said this in my fantasy football group chat last night. I said whoever has Jeff Wilson and Elijah Mitchell, whoever wasted a draft pick like there or, or traded for him, like sorry, like it's just they're not going to get as many minutes, and it's kind of a waste. Especially I don't know what their contracts are like. I'm assuming they're not very big because those aren't like super big name players. But um, maybe they'll maybe they'll trade him away for a pick later. I'm not sure, uh, but I, I'm pretty sure the. Uh, the 
football trade deadline is soon, right? In the last, next November week. or something. Yeah, we got about a few weeks to go. Yeah. Yep. All right, so we'll talk about some NHL now. The Bruins with a nice two to one shootout win last night. I'm not sure if you watched any of that, uh, Josh. In the I, I did not get a chance to last night. No. Wow. Well, you missed it. Uh, Linus Olmark absolutely went insane. He had a one-on-one uh, breakaway save in overtime, and then in the shootout, he had a he almost got beat, and then kind of was able to throw his arm out there and block a nice one um, to win the shootout. Therefore, the Bruins are four and one. Uh, the game versus Ottawa was a terrible one, seven and five. But I can look at that and say, well, we're missing three of our best defensemen, and we're missing one of our best forwards, and it's the beginning of a season. So sometimes stuff like that happens. Um, but what do you think about this team? Do you think four and one? says anything about how they might be when Marshan and McAvoy can come back? Oh, I think it's a great thing, yeah. I mean, uh, I, I think one thing that might lead to that 4-1 and record, again, the Bruins have good players. It's not like, you know, Marshan and McAvoy were the only players left, as you said, you know, Taylor Hall with a shootout goal. I mean, there's a lot of talent spread throughout the lines for the Bruins. Um, you know, I think one thing that's interesting is Jim Montgomery bringing in a new system, um, and now the rest of the league doesn't really have a lot of film on what the Bruins are going to be doing, so I think that also plays into it a little bit. I think the Bruins themselves have bought into Montgomery system uh, and now the rest of the league is you know playing a little bit of catch up kind of like with, with Bailey Zappi it's like you don't have a lot of film so you're, you're going to be able to do some new things that no one's seen and I think the Bruins are also doing that right now it's just going to be can they consistently do this you know yeah. are they going to play at an 800 winning percentage the entire season absolutely not yeah. uh, but so there's going to be some some valleys here coming up but again it's a great start if you ask me five games into the season would they be four and one and playing this well with only one dud of a game I would 100% take that so yeah. very very encouraging sign though early on yeah I think you have to watch the goalies I think Omar has outplayed Swayman so far as you were mm -hmm. talking about the other night you think he's just gonna wait it out at the beginning of the season and then make a decision on who's gonna play the majority of the games but we'll see if they go into a slide here or if they keep kind of cruising through the regular season because I would imagine that there are going to be some worse days ahead and how do you yep. get through that mm -hmm. so yeah tough homestand coming up uh this weekend Minnesota and then Dallas on Monday who's been playing very well so we'll see how that those go uh, to wrap up this episode, we got a couple more topics. I know we we mentioned fantasy football. How are you guys doing uh, in your fantasy football this so far? I'm three and one, or three and three, excuse me, three and one. Um, so yeah, uh, doing pretty well. I have Debo Samuel. So like this news this morning of of McCaffrey being traded, I'm like, what does this mean for me? Um, yep. But uh, yeah, so I'm I'm pretty excited. Um, I, I, my quarterback play is less than stellar. Like I'm right now currently starting Marcus Mariota. So <laughs> not great, not great. Uh, but we'll, we'll see. Uh, it's a long season. But, yeah. uh, again, treading water right now is what I'd like to say. I'm 4-2. and two. I have Jalen Hurts and Justin Jefferson on bye, and then Darren Waller is going to be out again this week. So Daniel Jones, please just put up 20 points for me <laughs> just this week. Arizona, I picked up their defense, and then they had two wow. pick sixes yeah. last night. Nice, so that nice. Was crazy. Call it luck. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm doing pretty well. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm two and four. Had some tough matchups this week. I've got AJ Brown and Miles Sanders on a bye, so I'm gonna need some good luck to, to get a win. Because if I keep getting losses here, I'm gonna end up in the in the losers bracket, uh, which is which is not good. Uh, we'll finish up here with uh, the first is the World Series predictions. I know they're still playing the NLCS and the ALCS. If I'm correct, the Phillies are up to one. I think they won last night. I'm not sure. Maybe it's the Padres, but. Uh, and then the Yankees and the Astros are tied at one, I believe. Is that is that true? Uh, yeah, Astros are up two nothing. Oh, okay. Yeah, so Astros are up. Nothing, really. Yeah, Astros are up. Oh, okay. No, uh, Houston is. Oh gosh, yeah, yeah. Houston is up two nothing, and Philly and San Diego are tied. Oh, one tied. Okay. I yeah. thought there was games okay. last night. Guess not. Um, just predict, who do you guys think is going to make the World Series? 
Well, we did. We predicted. I just want to say this. We predicted this a couple days ago. So I'm not <laughs> yes. saying oh, the Astros are going to win. I had the Astros in six then. Yep. I, I still actually think that'll happen. And then I had the Phillies in six as well. Yeah, I had Astros in six as well the other day when we talked in our pre-production meeting. And then I still have Phillies in seven. Yeah. I, I'm going to stick with the Padres in seven, but I'm going to now go Houston in seven because I had said the Yankees, but – after that 17 strikeout performance, I don't, I don't know what's, what's happening. And then we usually finish uh, with pick the winners. We did already pick this because um, we just kind of got to it already, and we knew we had a lot to talk about. So I'll just go over. Um, uh, you know, we'll just we'll save it for next week. How about that? We'll save, uh, save, save our picks for next week. We'll let you know how those went. But that's going to do it for episode 34. Again, I want to thank uh, Josh and Cole for coming in. And also, again, thank Michael Hopp for that interview. And we'll see you all next week. Oh,